0: That was smooth, wasn't it? That's how you're going to feel when you get that biggie bag at Wendy's. U.S. price of participation may vary. Includes four-piece nuggets, small soft drink, and small fry. Prices may be higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I hope you're having a good day. This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from the Florida Keys. And it's been a, a, a different type of start a day that uh, it's atypical in this household. This morning, uh, it, it wasn't that unusual and something you share, uh, I could share with you. This morning I woke up at 10 after 7 and it was a revelation because normally I'm up at 6 because it's a school day. And that's when my wife's alarm goes off and she gets up and starts her routine or I get up and start the routine of making coffee and get ready to get our daughter moved along. And today I woke up at 10 after 7 and I woke up the wife and she thought it was, she's looking at it, she thought it was 10 after 6. So we ended up we ended up going to bed a little early last night. And we ended up getting a little more sleep, but there was no p- panic. It's one of those things. It's you're you're late, you're late, right? But the girls take a little longer to get ready. What happened in the end was she ended up getting in school ten minutes after the starting time, and there were still people. They do screeners outside the school, checking for temperatures and letting people come in for that. So it worked a little better and we didn't get all panicky we weren't all frustrated and stuff like that it's just one of those things it's weird that we we weren't uh rushing because Abby has uh I think she has about at that time she had more than two and a half hours to be in the work so she still had time to go to the gym and work out and I had time to take the daughter to school and instead of Picking her up later on before I come to school, uh, come into work, and driving approximately twenty miles south. I didn't have to do that. I uh, I took her to school and then went to the gym myself. So I was all relaxed had my coffee. Daughter was relaxed. We all did those things, and it really didn't change our day much, other than she might get a tardy mark on her report a report card. But she's a pretty good student. She doesn't have a lot of problems right there. She's been coming in because she's in 8th grade. Her last gasp of middle school with about a month left to go. She's getting a little rebellious when it comes to school. And on another note, I took her out. My daughter who's 14, who's going to be 15 in about 6 months. A little less than 6 months. I started taking her out to drive, take her to a parking lot. So her first experience won't be when she gets a learner learner's permit. I don't think it's legal to do that because you're supposed to have a... I, I don't know. I think you need a learner's permit for driving on the road. But I took her to an empty lot, and I was really pleasantly surprised. I know this is kind of a, a ham-handed segue. I was pleasantly surprised that she could handle the car. She wasn't panicky or anything like that. And my wife was sure that I would be the one that would be out of control teaching the daughter. And I wouldn't be relaxed. And it turned out the other way around because she started showing our daughter in the driveway what to do. And they didn't even get out of the driveway. Uh, I imagine it was a week before. And, yeah, she did a really good job. But I'll tell you, that extra hour, that was a gift being able to sleep Um, you know being an older older man when I say older man I'm just I like to I like to say I am I'm 57 I would like to say that in my view I'm just slightly past my prime even though physically I'm in close to my prime because I've been taking care of myself not drinking and things like that there's I've been making better choices than I did when I was younger. If I made made better choices when I was younger, who knows where I would be right now. But uh, we're going to get into that a little later on. That extra hour of sleep, though. I mean, getting up... I get up in the middle of the night at least once. And I did get up. I've been getting up. I've been almost going all the way through the night recently because of some of my change in my habits. And... I don't have to get up. I got up like maybe an hour before, an hour and 10 minutes before and you never really get, when you have an hour left, you never really get back into that deep sleep. But I ended up sleeping two hours, a little over two hours and 20 minutes. And that's, you could get into quality sleep with that. And I did. I feel great. I know it sounds like that. I haven't really eaten yet either. I did work out, did some cardio and stuff like that. But it was a, it's a beautiful day. Yesterday, uh, we did, I did a live show and it was, it was threatening the rain all day and today it's just you know partly cloudy beautiful day lower 80s and just gorgeous and it's nice to be out there and things like that and I I like getting things done early it's just my my thing now and I still have to work tonight so I get that done but uh, what I'm going to you'll see the title of the show is who's your daddy and you don't pay my bills. I, you know, may sound like overtly sexual, but it's not about sex, not about fucking. I just threw that in there because I always have explicitness for adults. And if you have a problem with that, I'm sorry, but it is Key's bartender, not Key's church hour. And it's just a word. It's just a word. But I put explicit just so I can have the freedom to say things that just could come up. Why worry about that? You know? And plus, it's not, not like I'm going to lose sponsors. I haven't really done that yet. But I noticed uh, I recently, and actually today before going into to go drive my daughter to school, we had to just pop the television on and get a little news and then it went back to a, a beginning of a movie that I never really in, enjoyed. I never thought much of it. I'm not a Nicolas Cage fan or a Tia Le- Leone. And then she, there's a movie called Family Man where he's this high-powered Wall Street type and a, Tia Leone's a, a college girlfriend and he's given an alternate choice and made me think about things an alternate choice meaning how to live his life and i won't get into the theme of the movie i don't know if it's worth it but the idea is worth it and it made me think in the beginning i wanted to talk about bringing the bar thing and how similar it is about the need for people to be taken care of people you're thinking about when you go into the similarities between a bar and a home and how you are with your children or people you take care of. Let's say you're a caregiver, and that works for any caregiver. So people come in. You ask them how was their day. You greet them. You you tell them it's good. Tell them it's good to see them. You, or you express that it's good to see them. You hope it's that way, because there's some people that don't have that. And I I would hope that's the exception rather than the rule. I would hope that. That's my reality. And you. Much, You know, some people always say, what do you think, this is a home or a restaurant? Well, I'm in a restaurant, and I ask them what they want. But a lot of times I give them, if they look like they're hot, I'll just give them ice water right away because they look like they might be thirsty. And uh, some people, regulars, that are always drinking what they normally drink. I just have their drink up there by the time they sit down because they never vary. They always drink yingling, they drink yingling. If someone always drinks vodka and soda, give them a vodka and soda. And just wait for them. You ask how they're day. You tell them how they're doing. You make a little joke. You know, if they're vacationers, you say uh, you you you're just meeting them for the first time. You 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 welcome them. You ask them how they're enjoying their vacation. Would they? You know, what would they like? You don't know that, but you to be extra friendly. You placating. You try to put them at ease. And. uh you know, and there's other people that come in, they're in different states, just like children. You know, wear your pants, put your top back on, I'm putting you to bed. That's when someone's, when I say putting you to bed, I don't mean uh, taking liberties with them. I meant that I, they may have had a bit to drink too much and you might have to take them home, especially if they're driving. Sometimes you have to put them in a taxi. But I am no stranger to dropping someone at home. And uh, but you also tell them the other things you say you know like would you like some water here's this do you need it you're sneezing you need some here's a tissue for you Um, not having you know trying to anticipate what they might want and that's what a loving parent or caregiver does a caring caregiver let's say you don't necessarily have to love someone but uh, that and then you know warning them that Someone, hot wings come out when they're just, you know, they know it's going to be spicy or hot. But you got to tell them the temperature. Say, listen, this just came out of a deep fryer. Do not put it directly in your mouth. You're sitting at the bar. The kitchen is literally five feet away. That just came out 15 seconds ago. They are at 400 degrees, 500 degrees. So please do not put that in your mouth. And a lot of people, maybe people are looking for that. Because it's tough out there. It is tough out there. People spend their first 10, 18 years of life, depending on it, just being cared for. And hopefully it's at least 18 years of life for most of them, like in the United States and other places that are less developed. their People are expected to be on their own a lot earlier. But in Western society, you start getting a thing where parents want to care for someone up until they're 18. And then there's the uh, necessity of the child wanting to be independent. When they're, you know, whatever time they start feeling, they want independence. Like, stop tying my shoes, I can pour my own water. I go flesh my I go to bo bathroom by myself, and some people you know it's like potty training and getting them all ready getting we're getting spending the first years of their life getting them ready. A lot of animals start out where they are almost on their own from the beginning after they hatch, and they're just they go out there, and other ones the humans being one of the longest, if not the longest, where they are adolescents being cared for by. Their parents, uh, hopefully both, if it gets to be. Oh, but you know, and then there's different families now. Uh, obviously, there's adopted families, same sex, sex families, just single households. There's foster homes and things like that. But you know, it seems like after a certain while that kids, you know, they they rebel, they start rebelling against the caregiving, and then they start. Struggling for independence, they want to do as much as they can, and her aspirations are to become independent in some degree. I remember it was a year or two ago my daughter started saying about moving out, moving to New York, wanting to be wealthy, and having a house. And you know, um, I didn't think you know I said if you're talking about New York, a lot of times it's about an apartment or a condo, so you should rethink your terminology, and. You know, a house is more of a suburb thing, not a city thing. But you can get a house. There's brownstones and stuff like that. If you're talking about like five, $5 million, maybe. I, I think that may be cheap in Manhattan. Inexpensive. But there's always an the exception, too. And there's always, and I don't want to spend too much time on that, it's the, the failure to launch. People that never really leave home, or they leave home for a part-time, and you go to... The netherworld, the netherworld of of college, where you, yeah, you're you're. Uh, let's say you're living, you're going to college, and you're living within an hours travel of your home. I did that in college. I would bring my laundry home and do do my laundry. Sometimes my grandmother would do my laundry, go and eat. I mean, I'd feed myself during a week or go to the cafeteria where someone else is feeding you. You're barely doing it. I mean, if you've seen dorm living and stuff, the way kids take care of their, their bath facilities is atrocious. Kids. It was filthy. It was disgusting. And a lot of these, you're moving out of a house where they never cleaned. And they're moving to a place they're expecting to clean up, pick up after themselves. They're not going to do it. A certain amount of people won't. And certain people were independent and did a lot of cleaning, but they don't want to do it for someone else. They feel they'll use. So you're you're in that nether world where you're not really independent and your parents are taking care of And then there's the other people that work in there they work their ass off to get there. And they've been, you know, this small group of people that they, they were pretty much the parent growing up. Right. But when they get out of college they end up going back. You know, and we've seen that a lot more in the modern world. You don't see it. You you didn't see it as much years ago, or you don't see it depicted that much years ago. See, that's the thing. There's probably a lot of people that lived, if you think about it, a lot of multi-generational households existed years ago, where grandma was there. Grandma helped care for the kids and then we started getting where separation. You had grandma's house, you had mom's house, and then you got your house. They were a little more efficient. If you think about the frontier home, they had everyone in one house. But nowadays, you have all these different reasons why people may not become independent. They could be developmentally disabled, psychologically disabled, right? Just, you know, I hate to call it, use the terminology, but they're incapable of, of socializing with other people or communicating. You're crazy. And I hate, and I know that you can get in a lot of trouble for using the word crazy, but it, it's, it's the catch-all term where people act outside the normal human behavior. Um, there's the physically disabled, even though sometimes mm-hmm. the physically disabled are the ones that work the hardest to become independent without people trying to be independent and stuff like that, there would be no, you know, you'd see these cars that are driven by people that are paralyzed using very subtle movements, not having their uh, lower extremities work, but they're using their hands and, and things like that, getting their own vehicles, you know, a van, specially equipped van to get you around. Now with the advent of self-driving vehicles, you're going to see a lot more uh, of independence you know, eventually when it comes legal, you know, for the independence that will be given to blind people. Obviously, the Uber and Lyft and all that stuff, you have the independence. But if you think about it, they don't, if they didn't have to call anybody or get anybody independent on anybody, that you know, or interact and just say, I want to be independent, they're on, they're at the, uh, we're at the point in history where technologically, the, the capabilities of the physically disabled are greatly enhanced. And there's not a lot of big margin between what the physically disabled can do and the supposedly 100% able can do because of the technology. You know, physically, there are going to be things where things are automated and things like that. If you're guiding that or anything, yeah, you know, I don't want to get into this. Is show is about and there's some kids that have um, been fulfilling the parental roles the whole time, and their failure to launch is that they're taking care of that parent anyway, and they're not leaving. So the roles were reversed, and then you just have the the lazy, the people that, I mean, you could part. It's part psychological, I guess. Because I have to put myself in that category when I was younger. I'm coming clean right now. After college, after everything I did, when I was ready, I came back home. I was offered to help out at my my grandmother's house. My father, when he got divorced, they moved my grandmother out of a bad neighborhood, moved the whole family over there. So we had that multi-generational thing going she was happy to do it fulfilled her meaning in her life in, in retirement she didn't have for a while, you know about 6-7 years and she got the ability to be essential, an essential worker again, meaning raising the kids and when I was in my late 20s I go and move back and there I am staying there, doing my own thing though, when I say doing my own thing I'm talking when I leave the house When in the house, you know, I still had my, I mean, I was getting my clothes washed. Food was being made. I started, as the time went on, I started being the one making the food and taking care of the the grandmother. But then it was my 30s when I got married. I moved out a couple times. It didn't work out too well. Part of it was my issues with alcohol. You know, I just didn't see it. I didn't. I couldn't see it in front of me, but that—that that was one of the things. I abused alcohol tremendously when I, especially if I'm, when I'm, if I had to take care of my, if I had someone else taking care of me, that's when I did it worst. I'm going to pause it right now. Wait, oh, no, I can't pause it right now. I'm getting a phone call from this Tim Dickerson. Oh, I don't want to say his name. I did say his name. Okay, I'm going to call him back, but I forgot I was live. This is part of the thing of having, a, uh, having problems. I hope it's not an issue with uh, a business. I shouldn't have said the name. I don't believe I did that. See, it's a responsibility. But let's get back. I'm going to just focus on the job at hand right now. So yes, I had issues about moving out and I didn't. But who doesn't want to be cared for? And who doesn't want to give? I mean, who's not? Who's willing to give away some of their personal freedoms? And when I say personal freedoms, I'm talking about. I'm not talking about political freedoms like the right to bear arms, right to speech, and all that stuff. I'm talking about personal freedoms: going out with whoever they want, sleeping with whoever they want, uh, staying out as late as they want, going away when they want, making certain decisions on their living situation, stuff like that. Now, if you weigh the ability of receiving those things at a lower expense let's say and there's someone to take care of you at home a lot of people would just take that and other people value their freedom more they rather say i want my own stuff i want to do this i want to do my own thing but independence has its own value i make my own money i fulfill my own obligations i mean you know you don't pay my bills right Would you give away that for its security or well-being? Or would you uh, sacrifice vice versa? So I always think of that classic sugar daddy scenario. But it could be a sugar mama. Young man, young woman. Attractive. And then you have an older, financially secure man or woman. And they... Finding an accommodation. We always try to, you know. Sometimes people, depending on their perspective, when you're an older man with a daughter, you kind of have a duality of it. You think you you could fantasize about the younger girl, but then all of a sudden you can frown upon the situation because you wouldn't want your young child to do that. That's the hypocritical part of it. But um, would you do it? If I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily do it. I don't know. But that's not exactly the type of relationship I want. Meaning, yeah, I can physically appreciate a younger, beautiful thing. thing. I can physically appreciate, but I don't know if I can emotionally appreciate it. I don't know if that would satisfy my my needs, meaning uh, my conversational needs, my just relationship needs like I would like the shared experience of having the years and to have someone that went through similar uh, circumstances as I have have has has risen through those bench, benchmarks but I've been you know I've been in a situation where I wanted to be cared for so I can understand that and uh, so if I was uh, let's say 20 30 years ago I did date an older woman, but it wasn't for her financial security. She was in her 30s, late 30s, I think, mid to late 30s. I was in my early 20s. That was a big difference for me. And a couple of times there was women I dated a couple years older than me, a couple years. And I found them to be great relationships. The, young, the younger ones was a lot tougher because, you know, obviously there was different things, different uh, aspirations they had and different needs and wants. So, I was thinking about those situations, and I said, that's transactional in nature. A sugar daddy is a transactional relationship. Where it's like any relationship. Almost all relationships are transactional. And it depends on the value you put on those things. You know, the, uh, the so, in any Basically, any relationship there is out there, friendships, you're exchanging camaraderie and conviviality, conversation, sociability for the same thing in it. And then some people will call, you know, some people users where they use them for status or to get some advantage on something. Not just social status, financial status. You use them for their knowledge or their ability to do something. And you call those people users. Well, they're not, I'm, I'm not like that, but that's their, they're willing to sacrifice their uh, people's opinions of them. They say, well, I don't care. I'm not looking for friends. I'm looking for, my goal is social, financial. Or power status. I just want, or social power, same thing, I guess. But people that in, in a military organization, business, academic, even ecclesiastical, they, you know, you could use someone to better your condition. And you don't really care about the interpersonal relationship as much or that other person. That's transactional in nature. You're taking that now. The other person may not real, realize what the transaction is, and part of that could be misleading. Is saying there the person is saying, "Well, listen, I can help you out too." A lot of times, people do that, and they don't really intend to fulfill that part of the unspoken agreement. And people do that in relationships a lot. You know, guys, guys do it a lot when it comes to women You say, listen, I'm if you give me a physical intimacy, you know, sex, if we forget, if you allow me to fuck you or do whatever, you know, I will give you an emotional uh, relationship. I will give you the sociability that you want in it and maybe in some cases the financial well-being where there's no intention there or there's no follow through. Same thing goes with a girl. She might say, "Listen, I'm, I'm doing this." A guy, I, there's probably, uh, a, uh, there could be more and more of that happening where the women and guys are are saying, "Well, I'm just, I'm just there for the physical," and the other person's expecting more of a, a well-rounded relationship. That's transactional too. It's just that the person that wants the basic needs, the physical needs, doesn't inform the other person about that. And it's sometimes it's really great when these new apps that come out that their intention is it's pretty much forward. This is the this is for people to satisfy their their physical intimacy requirements. And I always approve. I wholeheartedly approve that that's the best way to go when it's things like that. And so, so I wouldn't look so darkly on the gold digger and negatively and look at him and say, well, that's that person's just doing it for the money. They don't really give a shit about that person. Well, Jesus, the older man who's in his 70s who's with a 20-something fitness model, female fitness model, you don't think he's aware that she's there for that if he's under the misconception that she's there because physically she's super attracted to him? In some cases, maybe. Maybe she does have something like that where she's physically attracted to him. There, I'm sure there's every sort of, and I wouldn't call it disorder, there's every sort of taste for people. But it's more likely than not, they do understand the tra- transactional nature of that. And you'll see it, like I used to love it when they go to the uh, Playboy Mansion, and the Playboy Mansion was... Um, they, they'd have Hugh Hefner and he'd be in his bathrobe. He's passed away a couple of years ago. And they'd have the girls he's dating or married to. I don't know what the name But in the later years, more recently, he was very old. And and he was showing signs of decrepitude. And the the, the young Playboy bunnies that are living with him as a couple, and usually had a couple of them, they talk about how great he is, how good in bed, how much they love him. I mean, I'm sure at the end it was kind of more like the transaction was more like a caregiver. And I'm sure it was tougher because you saw the quality of the Playboy bunnies used to were changing. I don't mean to be objective or subjective. <clears throat> but there were girls that he would never have been with 15, 20 years earlier when he was sharper. So, but... A lot of people say, Well, what a way to go. That's all he wanted. You know, and another person says, I'd rather have someone that loves me for who I am. And remember what I said about i um uh, I at one time had a nineteen eighty, this was back in the nineties. I had a nineteen eighty rusting colored copper of ru- rusting from the rust and copper colored Malibu wagon. And I used to get dates. I used to get girls to come in the car with me, and they weren't in there for the money. I did have the loft apartment and stuff like that, but that that was pretty sweet. And uh, I I didn't know then, but I realize now when I see guys grab you know buy the car, and it's pretty sweet cars out there. I've never owned a sweet car. I I uh, always had basic transportation. I never had a girl again. Oh my God, look at that. 1980 AMC Hornet with Levi interior. And that green fender on a white car. Wow. That just... I mean, I used to take girls on dates on... In the, the Junker I bought for $100. Right? I knew they weren't in it for the car. I was a character. So... That's... I don't know where I was going with that. But I knew the point... The point was that we shouldn't necessarily judge people by their aspirations because almost every relationship transactional. And if someone just says, well, I'm looking for a supportive, caring, loving person. You know, the one the stereotypical relationship. Don't be too judgmental of people that aren't looking for the same thing. And they are looking for, I mean, we started out looking what people like to be treated as a child. And that's that's where they want to be given things. And children don't think about what they have to return for that. Sometimes they know from punishment they have to be polite and do their chores and things like that. But there's not a lot of things a lot of children have to do. Some learn that they have to do a lot in order to earn that. Some people, some kids don't. So they just never grow out of stage. Oh, And getting back to that story I saw, it made me think about amnesia. I saw two stories on amnesia. There's someone on YouTube, Julie Nolke. She did something about that. And this guy, the Nicolas Cage movie. And I was thinking, if you woke up one day and forgot all your personal history, forgot all your personal history tomorrow, not knowing who you are, what relationships you had, what not knowing your status, and you were just neutral. And you had to choose what you were going to be. And I'm not saying you're going to be the prince, uh, the crown prince of England versus that, but I'm just choosing a kind of person you're going to be. You could be borderline criminal, meaning like you don't do anything that's slightly above board, or you're a saint, you know, I would hope that someone this kind of a saint would always stay that way because that's their the way. But who knows, you know, if you forget that. What would you say, do, or decide to be the option? Like the character you want to be. You'd still have the knowledge of the things you've learned. And they said, it's a very specific type of amnesia. And there's probably some out there. It could be brought on by psychological trauma and stuff like that, where they forget everything to do with their personal life. But they everything they learn. And it's probably a couple of them out there. And you decide, you say, well, this is what my model is. The the hero, the partier, the thief, the bully, the asshole, the saint, who keeps you in that role that you are. I think it's the people you surround yourself with. And I think it's a person that you believe you are. It's a multi thing. It's your family, the people you interact, kind of reinforcing what they think you are. You take someone and they started treating, remember trading places, Eddie Murphy, and Eddie Murphy's a scam artist, and he ends up being thrown into um, a, you know, become an investment banker, and he starts fulfilling that role and becoming that person. Now, it's a facile description, but I think generally it's the same. You just change is... Um, you always hear that saying, "Changes from within. And if you have the ability, it's tougher to do when you have a family. It's tougher like if you're to a Dugars and you have like 19 kids or something like that. And you have all these people telling you who you are. Well, what are you? Where are you going to be? What, who are, um, what, how are you supposed to react? How, someone has an expectation of how you're going to behave to a situation. Do you fit that stereotype? Like when someone says, I know when I tell him this, he's going to get really angry. Or you know when I tell this, he's going to laugh it off. Or he's going to be understanding. If you didn't have to do that, you could decide how you'd react, who you'd be, what your choices would be. Think about it. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not treating myself like a success story. I did not move from Philadelphia to Key Largo necessarily changed my life I moved from Philadelphia to Key Largo because I was going through separation and I had the opportunity to do it and I had a dream that I could come down here and drink the way I want and I wouldn't be treated like uh, you know I wouldn't have this expectation that I was a fuck up a drunk you know that I didn't have that aspirations and I didn't really follow through on anything I, I was a jack of all trades, a master of none. I show moments of brilliance, but now no follow through. That was, you can see the common theme. There was no follow through and there was a lot of things I would fuck up by by doing things. Right? I was able in the relationship, remain, I'd, I would be able to maintain a level of fidelity in my relationship when I was married, but I mean, I was ready not to be. So when I moved down here, I tried to continue that. I felt a bit of a change, but I kept on doing the same thing when it came to drinking. And I wasn't responsible when it came financially. I was never that way financially. It was only, it's a recent occurrence in my life, and recent being the last 10, 12, 13 years. And I had a bit of slip when I went back out there drinking again. When I stopped drinking, that was such a big part of my life that I realized no one knew who was at. They didn't know me. I stopped drinking within three, four months of being down here. No one knew me for years as a drunk other than my best friend I moved down with at the time. And he stopped talking to me after a year or two over a misunderstanding. And when we started talking again, but I always thought the issue was me, my drinking and wasn't he, he actually, we didn't get along much after I stopped drinking because he drank a lot and I didn't. So, that one thing led me to the possibilities of being all these other things, and forget and remembering what I wanted to be was um, supportive. I mean, I'm not really great. I'm not a saint. Uh, I'm not the, the hero, but I try to be helpful. I try to be helpful in those situations that I can be helpful, and I try to make quicker decisions. And I think part of it being ready, not be, you know physically ready. Taking care of myself. Those things were within my grasp. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it. And I moved out. I didn't have any kids up north. I always say that to people when I describe this guy separating and left. I didn't have any kids, so I didn't have a reason to be up there. And I said, yes, I did have a wife I was separated from, but she was ready to move on. And she ended up getting married and having a kid on her own. Uh, Way after, you know, um, uh, over a year after we've been separated. You know, so there's no question there. Um, I didn't know I could do some of the things that I did. I rarely had the follow through. That was my main thing I was thinking about for a long time. I rarely, I could start, I'd have these great moments of brilliance and energy, which I would bring down with by abusing my body with alcohol, cigarettes, some drugs, I'm not really a drug person, though. I don't just judge drug people because I did it with alcohol. And if it was very easily with a slight stir of the genetic mixing pot, it could have been a problem without uh, drugs. And then I would have had a whole no- another thing to do, but I hopefully I would have been able to achieve that too. And, and once your eyes are open to that, once you see possibilities, once you see there is a possibility, it adds more momentum to change once you know that once you know there's a possibility of change some people don't if you're locked in a prison and your life could be viewed as a prison there's a possibility you see that there's no way I'm going to change there's no way I've been this way everyone views me this way how could I'm a liar I'm a drunk I'm a philanderer a philanderer fucking around around you know what i mean a whore i was a whore and but and i gave a bad name the whores i think but i didn't know i could be the other way you know a uh, sober loyal caring constant instead of inconsistent there is a level of inconsistency there all the time with my mood. Sometimes I can't always be the way I want to be understanding stuff like that. And it amazes people. It amazes people to this day when I can get frustrated. Because they say, oh, wow, Jim seems that, you know, you always think, you know, he's always kind of ambitious and stuff like that. But for some reason, he just can't follow through or he gets frustrated and he lost his cool and stuff like that. Well, that's remnants of the thing. And and you, you're not going to be able to excise all those demons, but doing some of it is liberating the possibility. And it's a gift to yourself. If you're able to do it, if you have the ability to do it, give it your best shot. Try knowing that there is a possibility. And that's why when people don't see there is, I think, I believe that that's why, you know, you get, people that think of the ultimate bad choice which is suicide and you shouldn't think that because there's all as long as you draw a breath there's a way to change there's a change occurs from within it's a simple answer change occurs from within but there's things you could do to help that change the smallest things the smallest things uh just like an avalanche could you know it could just make create a momentum that that would be uh, wonderful in your life I'd like to thank you for listening. Uh, If you are in Key Largo, please stop at uh, the Catch restaurant at Mile Marker 102 Oceanside. It's open seven days a week for lunch and dinner. Monday through Friday, they have a happy hour, 3.30 to 6.30. And they have great deals on food and drinks during a happy hour. And also, if you have your own catch, bring it there and they'll prepare for you almost any way you want. And there's a large assortment of non seafood dishes for people that don't like seafood. And if you come there, tell them the keys bartender sent you. And if you like the show, please share the keys bartender show with your friend. Thank you for everyone for listening. Thank you for our new friends in Calgary, Canada. There was a big download from there. I I do uh, note it. And if you have any questions and you want to talk about any topics, you know, it's like a bar. So we talk about everything. Uh, Email me at jim at keys com. Like us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. I don't do a lot of Instagram because I'm not, you know, I'm not a thing about doing selfies and stuff like that. Maybe I should do more of it, but I don't want to, you know, right now. I guess that's follow through. Thank you very much and have a great day. Until next time, let's play that music.